0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: The Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation's mission is to ensure the future of elk, other wildlife in their habitat, and our hunting heritage. By the 19-teens, we were actually probably down to less than 5,000 elk, maybe even fewer. And now in Utah alone, we have at least 80,000 now. The other bull's legs were actually going up in the air as this bull was goring it. And some of the people are there they're going, No, 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 stop, 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 you're hurting. Uh, Facebook pictures, you know, whatever, Snapchat, whatever you're using. Um, at least I didn't say the Snapchat or the Facebook
2: like some. Uh, I'm old. Living Country in the City, Episode 8. Y'all ready for your dose of flyover state spirit? Straight from the concrete jungle, we'll
0: put down your latte and pull on your boots. It's time for Living Country in the City.
2: Thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Living Country in the City here at the International Sportsman's Expo in Salt Lake City, Utah. Now, I have the honor of getting to sit down with Bill Christensen. He is the Utah Regional Director for the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. Now, if you all aren't familiar with the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, this is probably my favorite charity in the world. These guys have done more to restore elk herds and elk habitat than than anyone in the world. Um... It is, it is just an amazing foundation, so I'm really excited to have Bill here with me. So thank you so much for joining me on the show today.
1: Thanks for your kind words. I sure appreciate it. Happy to be here today.
2: Let's start. Why don't you just give me kind of the general overview of the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, what it does, what its mission is.
1: The Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation's mission is to ensure the future of elk, other wildlife in their habitat, and our hunting heritage. Uh, it was started in 1984 by four Montanans in a little town called Troy, Montana, up towards Kalispell, up in the northern part, they started uh, basically out of the back of a station wagon. They printed the first copy of Bugle magazine, and from that humble beginning, now our national headquarters is in Missoula, Montana. We have over 750 chapters across the United States, and we have members all over the world, every almost every country in the world. Right now, we're sitting at oh, about 100 and. Fifty-two, fifty-five thousand 55,000 members. We don't count members that have signed and left, so these are active members. And we basically hold all kinds of great fundraisers, banquets, women's events, shoots, archery shoots, and we raise money to ensure the future of elk and do habitat projects. Part of my job and the biggest part is fundraising. The other part is working with the BLM and the US Forest Service, the Fish and Game Agency, to actually do on the ground projects.
2: So you say on the ground projects what what kind of projects do uh, do you participate in? do you work with with those groups for well, Utah
1: being a dry state, we do water projects water catchment systems to provide water for wildlife we call those guzzlers basically they're just a, a tank that's partly underground with an apron and when there's a big rainstorm or gully washer instead of it going to the ground or disappearing it goes into the underground tank and there's a little guzzler there's a little trough outside that allows wildlife to drink that's a big thing in dry states we also do controlled burns and reseedings we work with the forest service and the blm to actually burn Uh, sometimes we've kept burning from happening mother nature used to have lightning and fires all the time and now we've got people that have houses and property, so we have to be careful but controlled burns are great and then we have to recede those after we do all kinds of habitat enhancement projects that benefit we also do this is the most exciting thing i think is we reintroduce elk most of the elk were extirpated out of the eastern u.s and utah actually helped provide elk for the reintroduction of elk in Kentucky. There was always a small herd in northern Michigan, a very small herd in northern Wisconsin, and now there are elk in, oh my word, Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee, West Virginia, I already said that. Um, now we're talking to states like New York, and uh, elk were prevalent in the east but they were, ex- they were totally killed. So this is a nice opportunity for us to do a reintroduction, which is very exciting.
2: Now, at one point, elk were endangered, weren't they? They
1: were. By the 19-teens, uh, we were actually probably down to less than 5,000 elk, maybe even fewer. And now in Utah alone, we have at least 80,000 elk. You know, We have 150,000, 130,000 in Colorado. Colorado's the biggest elk state. But all, even, and of course, for my California friends, we can't forget tule elk. Yep. That's a separate subspecies. Uh, they're really cool. I mean, they, they, they live in kind of the wet, swampy areas of some of the forests near the coast. And they're exciting animals, too. And that, they were almost totally gone. You were, we're talking less than 100 animals at one time. And now there's a good, healthy group of tule elk. Well, you
2: know, and that was a big surprise for me is, you know, once again, when you think hunting, you you know, California is not necessarily the first state, at least not for big game hunting, that you think of. Um, and But, you know, it, being from there, I knew there was bear. I knew there was deer. I, I'd seen it. Um, you know, I've, I've been camping before. But I was fascinated when I learned that there was actually elk in California, that we had our own subspecies that, that hangs out. But so that being said, what's your reaction then when people come to you and say, well, you know, you talk about how much you love elk, you talk about how <laughs> think wonderful they <laughs> are, and how much, you know, how much you love to save them. Uh, how can you go out and hunt an elk if you supposedly are so passionate about, about them?
1: I think that's a question for all hunters, and all hunters receive that question at one time or another. Uh, the interesting thing about that question is, We've got something happening that's causing people to rethink why they would maybe want to start hunting. Probably another subject. I'm not trying to change the subject. I'll kind of circle around to your question. But people want to know where their meat comes from. They want to have an organic source of, 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 of red meat, and red meat that is low in cholesterol, low in fat. And what we're finding, and what's surprising, we, we always talk as hunters, we go, we need to keep our youth involved in hunting. I think I might disagree with that. I think that I think that uh, the millennials, I think other groups are saying, you know what? I don't care about this so-called trophy, honey. I don't care about that. But I want good, healthy food. I want to know where my food comes from. So I think that's part of it because most hunters I know, especially with elk, they're so good to eat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, they're tasty. And I think that food is a major part of it. And also we learned, I guess a lot of us would say we're like Theodore Roosevelt, the great conservationist who basically started the Forest Service with Pinchot and others. He's our ideal. Yeah, he went out and killed animals. He actually was an amateur taxidermist. He did all kinds of things. But he understood real clearly that if hunters didn't step up, they'd go. Because we had people subsistence hunting, killing animals to eat. We had market hunters that were making money commercially. Uh, we all heard of the story about buffalo and passenger pigeons. So basically, hunters stepped up and said, yeah, we do kill these animals, but we use them, but we also have a passion for the outdoors. We have a passion for a beautiful sunset. I mean, at my age now, I, I like going out with my grandkids and fishing and doing things in the outdoors, camping, spending time with them. The, the kill has become way less important i think now i would say the reason why i love elk and the reason why i still hunt them is because of the great majestic animal they are because i respect uh, I, I respect their habits i respect the way they i like the way they breed we just listen to a great elk calling contest it's exciting So for me, it's a passion that won't go away. And I don't need to even hunt elk anymore to appreciate wildlife. And most hunters are the same way. I mean, I've stopped hunting before and found fossils. There's a place up where I like to hunt. I found, oh, these are great, you know, horn coral fossils. And uh, I was a little bit of a rock rock hound when I was a kid. And all of a sudden I stopped thinking about hunting. I wanted to find these fossils. Then that backpack got kind of heavy. Oh, these rocks. But I'll tell you what, there's lots of reasons to be in the outdoors. And hunting is just an excuse. But... There's something about an adrenaline rush when that big bull bugles and you feel that chill go up your spine, you know. And that passion, that excitement is why I feel like I hunt and it's why I care so much.
2: Well, you know, there's definitely something to be said uh, for the difference between just being a passive observer of nature, which is there's nothing wrong with. Nothing the, wrong And it all. is a beautiful thing. It's a healing thing. It's, it's an amazing thing. But being able to take part in nature take part in the life and if you're successful enough the death of a of, a, of an elk it, it just connects you with something i feel like that uh that you don't always get as a passive observer I and agree. it it just it connects you with other hunters it connects you with so that primal instinct that that we all have from our from our ancestors, you know. We, it's we, we all DNA, if, I think, yeah. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for hunting. At, at some point or another, you know, whether it's someone in a loincloth throwing a spear at a mammoth, hmm. um, we're all here one way or another because of hunting.
1: Taking a life is a responsibility. Uh, an animal's life, you know, of course, is still a huge responsibility. And I have always felt sadness at the end, uh, realizing How many years this cow elk has spent? Maybe she was the head elk. Maybe she was the one that knew where to go to find water, to go find good feed. Or maybe this bull was the old guy. And uh, now that I'm almost 60, I'm going, gee, maybe i am turning like that. I I respect an old animal that's been able to survive, uh, to escape predators, to frankly escape man as a predator. You have to have respect for that animal. And if you don't feel sadness, then you're not a human, I don't
2: think. Well, there's that that Fred Bear saying, you know, where mm. he talks about how how much he respects each each animal he takes, and this is a, a good death for that animal. I, I think it, it's some along the lines of the the fate I give is a lot kinder than nature's way of of fang and claw and. Starvation. Unfortunately,
1: it is a lot kinder. Yeah,
2: because you know, I, I know people. I talk to a lot of people, and they like to think that, you know. The elk is going to live to a, a nice ripe age, have this full life, and then it's going to go to the elk retirement home. It's going to lay down in a nice patch of clover with flowers around and all the other elk bugling around it. And it's going to lay down and close its eyes and and fall asleep. It's not, it's not going to die from exposure one winter. It's not going to run out of food sources uh, at a... on a really bad year it's not gonna get attacked by uh, a pack of wolves that are getting real hungry you know it's not gonna get a a, another elk antler right in its ribs you know there's (laughs) a lot worse ways for an elk to die than uh than an arrow or a, a bullet to the heart so
1: there i remember seeing i was in yellowstone national park and there were two bulls fighting and uh it was near some, actually some buildings. It wasn't that far from Old Faithful. And the and one bull knocked the other bull down and just literally started just goring it, trying to roll around. The other bull's legs were actually going up in the air as Whoa. this bull was goring it. And some of the people there, they're going, no, 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 stop, 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 you're hurting. And I go, I don't think people understand that nature, unfortunately, is a pretty, uh, uh, talk about dog eat dog it's pretty rough. And you better be able to survive. And that's why elk, I'm, I'm always amazed how strong they are and their, their their desire to live. The Germans have a great thing about respecting animals. I, I hunted in Namibia years ago, and a gentleman that, uh, that we hunted with was from Germany. And we'd kill an animal, and he'd say this saying. He'd make you do a little toast at the end, and it's Weitmann's Heil, Weitmann's Dunk. And I don't understand German, but it's something, and I might even be pronouncing it wrong for those that speak German. I apologize, no. but basically, it's something <laughs> no to respect, to respect to the animal, and and then respect for the hunter. It's it's I love, and then you break off a branch and you put the branch in the animal's mouth. This is after the mouth is after the animal is passed, but it's a way to stop and take a pause and understand that you've taken a life. And it's also a way to respect the animal. Native Americans did something similar. They usually did. I mean, they considered wildlife and, and the game they hunted as their brothers. They called them their brothers. So I think that man's always had a respect for wildlife. I think the secret is, whether you hunt or not, is understanding that deep, deep responsibility we have to respect and love nature and love wildlife, uh, whether we decide to eat it or not eat it, or to chase it or not chase it.
2: Well, you know. I think that is a very important point, is that when you do take an animal, is, you know, it's the world of social media. It's the world, I mean, I, I'm i all over it, and I know the first thing you want to do is you want to get in there, you want to get behind those antlers, and you want to get those pictures, and but I think it really is important to take that moment and, and pause and think about what you've done and consider the impact it has and which is not not necessarily sometimes as hunters
1: we're our worst own enemy. We don't understand how what you basically have in in the United States is ten percent of the population hunts, ten percent is totally anti hunting under any circumstance, and there's this eighty percent in the middle. And hunters often forget and I'll be the first one to criticize some of the outdoor television shows that are on that you're not showing proper respect for animals, and I think that's an issue. Shane Mahoney, a great man who I respect greatly, and if you ever go online and look up him and learn about him, he's a big proponent of what's called the North American Wildlife Management Model in comparison to the old European model, which was the King's Deer, and it's owned by the aristocracy. But in the United States, we all own wildlife. It belongs to all of us. It's a public thing, and my... Advice to those that hunt is show some respect. Remember that people are watching you, and you're going to be be able to make them either people who may not hunt but who understand the importance of hunting as a management tool, and and not make somebody who just totally says I hate hunters, I hate hunting, and a lot of that comes from the way we are perceived. Uh, Facebook pictures, you know, whatever, Snapchat, whatever you're using. Um, at least I didn't say the Snapchat or the Facebook like some. Uh, I'm old, but I, I still, but I got to tell you, I think that that's a responsibility that hunters have. And we're kind of in a little bit of a competition with anti-hunters for the heart and soul of the bulk of the American people. And I think hunters need to stop and see what they're doing and say, God, maybe I need to change a little bit of what I'm doing.
2: And it's it's a tough thing, definitely, because you you want to be able to share that and you don't want to say you're... Kind of compromising too much and cow towing to the the anti's, but you also have to realize this is the world we live in too, and w- the things we do have can have a very very high impact on on policy. Like I mean, a few photos can make a huge difference in the policy of a county or a state, and. You know suddenly suddenly that that picture that maybe maybe wasn 't the best one is is the poster for uh you know mm-hmm. an anti hunting campaign that somebody 's running everybody
1: remembers Cecil the lion i mean yep uh, you better you, you need to think before you I, I I think before you 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 publicize what you do and you know i don 't have anything against somebody who uses the term trophy hunting. But I could see why part of the 80% of the people out there might say, I don't understand that. Um, I honestly believe this new move towards an organic food source is really one of the best reasons to hunt and one of the best reasons hunting is going to persevere and maybe grow because, like I say, it's not just our youngsters. I'm talking about people that are in their 20s and 30s are starting to go Hey, I mean, they'll look at me and go, God, I don't want to be fat like that guy. <laughs> I, 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 I want to be healthy. Oh, and, you know, I eat mostly, my red meat mostly is elk. But, you know, I'm like anyone else. I'm Sometimes in a hurry. Like I grab a, go to In-N-Out really or good, Carl's and you know. Junior, grab a burger. But, but nothing is better for you than, than elk. And it's the lowest in cholesterol. It's the lowest in fat. And it can be a healthy meat item for you to put in your diet. And I think that's going to help hunting in the long run.
2: well, you know, and you pick up one of those Steve Renella books, you yeah. got, you got an infinite number of fantastic recipes. To, uh,
1: that's actually— Must be getting close to dinner. I'm
2: starting I, to think I'm starting to—we're sitting <laughs> talking about this. I'm like, I'm looking at my watch thinking, anybody anybody got a freezer full of elk Yeah, Here, maybe, maybe we had, had to go experiment. home and
1: see if my wife has so, some elk in the Traeger and see if we can eat something. Oh,
2: That'd there we go, there we yeah.
1: go.
2: Yeah, no, I—I uh, I mean, that's actually one one person I really appreciate a lot of what he's done. His show is on Netflix now. Yes, and it's one of those ways. I feel like he approaches it from such a respectful manner, but such a holistic manner as well. You'll watch one whole episode of him sitting there teaching you how to how to grind elk meat and saying like, oh, okay, you know, you need to mix this in, and you know, these are the pieces you want to do for that, and this is how you make the steak, and. You know, and then there'll be a hunting episode, and, and then there'll be the one of just them all sitting around barbecuing in the backyard, and it gives such a complete picture. I feel like uh, Cameron Haynes is another person. Who,
1: Cameron, he's an animal.
2: <laughs> oh, gosh. I, like, every time I, I, I hear his name, I just feel like I need to have, like, a weight in my backpack and, and start start lifting or something just just for a couple of minutes to to get my pump on. Uh, yeah, he's he,
1: that's serious, hardcore stuff. But everyone I know who's a serious backcountry elk hunter has to be in tip-top shape. Mm-hmm. I'm not in tip-top shape. I'm older <laughs> and I'm overweight, but but I go very slowly. I take my time. I do a lot of scouting, a lot of a lot of spotting, a lot of stalking, a lot of glassing. I mean, that's what happens. You're, my hunting style has changed as I've gotten older, uh, but I know people in their 70s that I've hunted with that still mountain goat and take on the mountain and those people impress me
2: it's giving that holistic view of of what we're doing anything, I talked about this with Christy before anything, any culture whether it's hunting culture, whether it's anybody's culture, if you take one small piece of it out of context it it can be twisted to be the greatest thing on earth it can be twisted to be the worst thing on earth
1: uh, that's our that's our interesting political situation we find ourselves in now.
2: So the uh, the motto of the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, uh, hunting is conservation. Right. Um, I, I absolutely love that. When you know what it's about, it makes so much sense, and it's. But it's one of those things where, to the layman, it seems like such a contradiction. It makes want to ask more. Sure. And it's really. And it's um, a fair question. Yeah it's especially in in my podcast living country in the city it's it's all about people like me who come from a background that's not as exposed to stuff like this and a lot of people come up to you and all what's this whole hunting thing about you know um not in a negative way but just in a curious i've never been exposed to this except for you know watching christopher walking and deer hunter or something like that and <laughs>
1: wow that uh, yeah that's that's a tough uh, that's a tough way to learn about hunting yeah that through, was a, through Hollywood that's rough
2: <laughs> once <laughs> I it, it's kind of funny I actually just watched that recently after after learning a bit more about hunting and I'm like this movie's bizarre <laughs> Watching a lot of hunters watch watch a
1: movie that, that shows hunting and it's usually some slobby person who is throwing beer cans beer cans out and and take shots without knowing what their target is and I hear a sound in the bushes, boom, you know, you're going, God, what an idiot. Um, there's always a minority of people, like there is isn't any group of people, that are unthinking or ignorant, but from my experience, hunters are qualified, they do a good job, they understand hunting inside and out, they've spent the time,
2: they've done their homework, they understand it. So if people want to get involved, uh, really want to help out with the mission of the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, What's, uh, where can they start?
1: Easy. Go to our website elkfoundation.org or rmef.org or rmef.com or or uh,
2: conservation. Con- yeah,
1: you do any of those. Any of our uh, our uh, our, uh, our little mottos or sayings that are all copyrighted. But you can go to anything. One uh, eight hundred call elk for the old-time people that like to use a phone still. Uh, That's right. Yeah, hopefully it's not a a rotary (laughs) Rotary. phone, but you never know. I still remember those very clearly, but it's real easy. rmef.org,
2: elkfoundation.org. So what, what opportunities are out there for people that want to help?
1: There's a lot of opportunities. Well, we have our fundraising, of course, which is fun. We put on banquets and fundraisers. We put on uh, clay shoots, trap shoots, archery shoots. Archery shoots are an area that have really grown, especially in Utah. We do uh, on-the-ground projects. Every year in Utah, we have at least two or three projects lately they 've been mostly water projects installing those water guzzlers I talked about earlier okay. that 's a lot of fun. I mean kids can help um, that you can actually complete with a group of people a guzzler in one day and you can go back time and time again on the forest or on the BLM or if it 's on state state ground or state or parkland and you can see and a lot of those guys the biologists will put cameras on them, and they will send you pictures mountain lions bears birds of all kinds elk deer if there's moose in that area whatever but you put a camera up there and you see what comes into drink it's fascinating and people can take pride in doing a hands-on project
2: that's really exciting and now and so there's so many hands-on opportunities there's there's donation opportunities um if you don't mind my asking, um, do you know what, what uh, as far as donation-wise, uh, general percentages that go?
1: Sure. We, we have to uh, comply with national accounting practices. We're the only hunting conservation group that is, has a four-star charity navigator rating, which is an independent rating service. That's imp- nice for us. And we, we can say that depending on the year, it's 89 to 91 cents of every dollar goes towards mission. Now people go, what does that mean? Well, it's the the on-the-ground stuff, all right. All the projects we do with the Forest Service, BLM, the fishing game, on our own. We do conservation easements with landowners on large tracts of land. We occasionally do acquisitions, but not too often. Uh, The bottom line is, is part of my salary, believe it or not, because I do projects, is considered mission. I'm not an accountant, but you have to, Yeah, the national accounting practices have to be followed. But we can say we put 89 cents to 91 cents to pay on the air of every dollar on towards our mission
2: now uh we have the website um you guys are on social media uh we'll link to all of these sites all of the social media on our show notes paid um any other final closing thoughts for sure. uh, for our audience here
1: well first of all remember you can watch us uh on the outdoor channel we've got team Milk. it's not your usual hook and bullet show you'll find interesting uh it's usually archer hunting sometimes it's rifle hunting but we have kids we have different types of people and the kill is not the prime we often go without a kill different than a lot of shows so please tune in and do that feel free to get involved every state almost every part of california even southern california has chapters for the elk foundation give us a call Get on, go online, send a, me- a message to us or an email. We'd love to have you join with us. It's an open to everybody.
2: Fantastic. Well, hit up rmef.org, sign up, get a membership, Get get your hands on a bugle magazine, find a way to get involved. Mm-hmm. This, you you could not be putting your time or your money towards a better charity. Bill, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. I know you're busy with everything going on, so I appreciate you, uh, you taking a few moments to My talk pleasure. Thanks, my friend. Appreciate you. Hey, y'all, that's going to do it for episode 8 of Living Country in the City. Another big thank you to Bill for taking the time out of a very busy day to sit down with me and talk about the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. Honestly, folks... Take a minute to read up on the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, sign up for a membership, get a subscription to Bugle Magazine if you can. Otherwise, just find a way to get involved, support, spread the word. Find all of their info on the show notes page at livingcountryinthecity.com eight. And in the meantime, stay country, y'all. Thank you all for listening to Living Country in the City. Get show notes and check out the blog, product reviews, events, and more at livingcountryinthecity.com.